Hey, it's Jessica Dirksen, and you are listening to the True to You podcast, the place to be to get the tools to live your life by design so that you can be the person you want to be and live a life that you love. What is up, everyone? You're listening to the True to You podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dirksen, and today I'm talking with Mac Ling. Mac Ling is a public speaker, transformational coach, and founder of Coaching Collective, an executive coaching company developing leaders in Asia Pacific. The core of Mac's work revolves around helping his clients achieve radical authenticity, the exploration of your authentic self that starts with knowing yourself deeply, then accepting the good, bad, weird, and ugly sides of yourself, and from that place of acceptance, sharing your your unique gifts with the world. Hello, Mac. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, Jessica. It's so good to be here. So good to be calling in from Hong Kong. Yes, all the way from Hong Kong. I love it. We were just laughing about our time difference. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you're up to in the world? Yeah, thanks. Uh, So my name is Mac Ling. Uh, I'm an executive coach based here in Hong Kong, and I work with a number of uh, individuals and leaders uh, here in Hong Kong around Uh, A number of issues, everything from leadership challenges to even just like personal journey, uh, questions and obstacles. And so it it really like runs the gamut from just life coaching to all the way to like executive coaching. Um, And uh, and one of the things I'm really interested uh, in working on right now is uh, really focusing around this idea of radical authenticity. And maybe we can talk about that uh, later today. Yes, I want to dive into that. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get into the coaching world? Um, so I think many coaches that I've talked to have this very similar story of like, we weren't looking for it. We just sort of stumbled into it. Uh, and so I think my journey also, uh, falls into that, uh, lane. And, uh, I had a very traditional, you know, start to my career, uh, started in tech, got an MBA, went to go work for a big company. Uh, and then, uh, I came to Asia to work for my family's business. Uh, so again, you know, in that very business management, uh, you know, uh, trajectory and, uh, and that didn't work out really very well. Uh, I realized that I was very, very Western in a very Chinese traditional business. Uh, and, you know, it means it's, it's just very top down rather than this very Western, you know, trust your employees, empower your people, you know, like you can do whatever you need to do to be successful. Uh, and that really wasn't received well by, you know, my family. Um, <laughs> so, I decided that I was probably the black sheep and I, would pro- I should probably leave and not try and change the system too much. Um, and that led me to go down an entrepreneurial journey. And so I started a travel company in Thailand, uh, you know, really focused around storytelling and people and great food. And, uh, but I couldn't figure out how to like find customers. And so, so that was another just big, you know, sort of dream. And then it, it popped. Um, and, uh, and then I, you know, figured out, okay, well, I can at least help these uh, NGO leaders and charity leaders that I've been working with. And so I started doing some training, uh, started a small charity in Bangkok, uh, and very serendipitously, uh, a coach uh, from LA said, hey, like, I can come and train your leaders in this transformational coaching process. Uh, and uh, if you can just cover my flights to Bangkok. And I was like, yeah, that seems like a great idea. And um, so a week went by and we did this uh, just, you know, five day course together. Uh, and it really inspired me to ask some questions about my own life. And it really 
yeah, it triggers some of the questions like, hey, I think I'm good at this. And I think I really like it. And I really like this one-on-one aspect and getting to ask people powerful questions that might unlock something in their lives. Uh, and so it, it opened the door for me to move back to Hong Kong. I lit a fire under my butt to get moving and to start my life again. And, and so I started my coaching business in 2015 in Hong Kong. I love it. I love it. Are you like a natural question asker, like interrogator? Like for me, I always, when I meet people, I ask them like a million questions. So when I learn more about the coaching world, I'm like, this is so perfect for me because I love just asking questions. So I think it's funny. I think I used to be a listener. So I was, I think, you know, like I think about all my friendships, you know, growing up like in junior high and high school, right? I was the friend that people wanted to talk to because I would just sit and I would listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went to business school and my business school is a very Socratic method style business school. And uh, for those of you, you know, who uh, may not be exposed to that, it's really this like, if I ask you a question, you need to also ask me back a question. So it's just this like, you need to find a better question to unlock more information so that you can get to the heart of the problem. And, and so I did this like course where we basically did all our courses in the Socratic method. And so you walk into class and you're just thinking of like, okay, there's this like business case and I have to find a question to make me sound like intelligent and actually answers are not valued in this sort of a system. It's really just like, who has the better question in class? And so, you know, you get this training over two years of how to ask good questions. Uh, And I use that in my business practice. And then when I started coaching, I'm like, oh, this is just like the person is giving me some information and I have to figure out a good question to unlock what's actually underneath all this stuff that they've been telling me. So that was good training to have for sure. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's dive into authenticity. So I want to know, I like, we hear all the time, be authentic, be your authentic self. What does that really mean? What does that mean to you? How do you work with that? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think, so I've been coaching for about five years now and, um, and going on to number six and one of the, you know, I start to see themes, um, you know, talking to different people. And I think, you know, you as a coach may see this as well as that sometimes you might even be having the exact same conversation with people, with different people. Uh, and even though they may be coming with, you know, different, you know, sort of high level topics. Um, and I think one of the things I started to find was that it was boiling into this uh, place of people like not feeling authentic. And, and I was starting to dig into what that means. And, um, and so did some work to put some of these thoughts together. And I feel like this idea of radical authenticity boils down into three steps. And the first step is do you know yourself, right? How do you deeply start to understand who you are, uh, what you're all about, the things you like, the things you don't like? Um, and, you know, in that piece, I think our society has done a fairly good job of giving us some tools. You know, there's like a ton of like personality tests and assessments that you can take to really start to understand who you are. And there's like some great like core values exercises to understand like, hey, like, what do I stand for? You know, what do I want my day to look like? Um, and I think those are some great areas to help you with the knowing yourself. But then just once we know ourselves, I think this is the biggest challenge that I faced individually. And I think that many of my clients face, um, and I think a lot of humanity faces, that we have to accept all of the good, the bad, the weird, and the ugly of ourselves. And that's really difficult because I think that asks us to look inward and to go into this journey of like, 
oh, like, what is this stuff that I've sort of tucked away? Uh, you know, I, I uh, shared with some friends, you know, like one of the things I used to love to sing, like I would just like walk down the street and I'd be singing. And then somebody was like, hey, man, like, shut up. Like, nobody needs to hear that. And I took that and I just sort of like, I was like, oh, okay, society does not want me to do this. So I just sort of put it away. Uh, I have, a, I guess, one of the other stories uh, that I'll share is that I was bullied like fairly heavily. So like my empathy and my emotions really like were at the forefront. And so, you know, people could really push me around. And so I just sort of started to tuck them away so that they wouldn't get so hurt. And so through this process, I've had to go through my own journey of like, yeah, what are the things that I've hidden away? And like now that I'm really willing to accept and say, okay, like this is just a part of me and I'm ready to take off some of these masks that society has told me to wear, like what's appropriate or what success looks like because you know, there are three models or six models of what success looks like. And so if you aren't those models, then, you know, you won't be successful. And I've really found that, you know, that leads me to number three, which is once I've accepted all this stuff, I'm actually really ready to share like my unique gifts and how I bring myself in a very different way to the world. And I think what that yields is that I don't feel like I'm competing with anybody else anymore because I'm a unique star fruit. And so if you're saying, oh, look, here's a star fruit. And then like, there's all those apples and oranges. I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter to me because I'm not an apple or an orange and I'm not trying to be an apple and orange, but I'm here and I'm, you know, sharing what I have uniquely. Like I really like love music and I have this empathy and I like to connect with people. And even the way I coach is probably so different than the way you coach. So why am I, you know, stand trying to stand next to you and try and jostle for position? I'm like, we should all be able to, there's plenty of room for us to stand together and, and offer what we have. So mm, that's an yeah. I love that you brought that up because I think that stage of the, I think so many of us go through kind of like that imposter syndrome kind of feeling, right? Like I, I'm trying to do this with my life, but so many people are doing it. They're, they've been doing it longer. No one's going to listen to me. And there's these fears that come up and these stories and these beliefs that come up for you. And even, you know, for myself, like when I started coaching I went to all these networking events and I met all these coaches and that have been doing it for years. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, I can't come to these events. Like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about compared to these guys. Like they've been doing it for so long, but then it was kind of like this part of, but I'm, I can offer something different. What I do is different and I can learn from them. I mean, I can grow from them. I'm like, we can help each other in different ways. And when you get to that point, there's, I don't even know how to explain it, but like, there's like a, a freeness of it when you walk in these rooms where you don't have that. And I think we always will have like, you know, beliefs and fears that will come up for us at some point, but to be able to know that what you offer and that service you can provide is unique to yourself and true to yourself is very, very important because there's so many, you know, coaches in the world and there's so many people that do all the jobs in the world, but I heard this once and I cannot remember who it from and said, but it takes one person. You could be hearing the same message from hundreds of different people, but you hear it from one person and it just hits, it lands with you differently. And yeah. I always refer this to like my husband, like I tell my husband, you know, the same thing. So especially as a health coach, I'm like, no, this is what, this is what you should be doing. Like, do this, do this, do this. And then one day he comes home from work and he's like, oh my gosh, I sat in this meeting today and we had a speaker and this is what they said. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I've been telling you this exact thing for years, but it takes like, it, it doesn't, you can hear the same thing over and over and over again. 
but yeah. you, it's, it just takes one person to say it in a different way for it to stick. And that's what I think, you know, that's that what you said really resonated me with that. I'm like, you know, that imposter syndrome doesn't need to exist if you're being true to yourself because yeah. there's, you know, billions and billions of people and we can all do what is true to us. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I think, you know, some of this gets into this, like the mindset that we approach the world from, like, do we believe that there's a limited supply of clients, a limited supply of ideas, right? And, or is it that the world is so abundant and actually there's plenty of people that we can work with and plenty of people for us to like give, you know, and share value with. Uh, and I think, you know, just like what you're saying, right? Like if I have, and this maybe gets a little bit more spiritual, like if I know that my role is just to do the message for the fourth time for this person, then I'm really comfortable with that. And actually the person who's gonna like land it is like, I don't know, like 7,000 miles away and it's their job to do the message that lands it for that person. You know, and so you just like, to, it starts to take off the pressure of like, it's gotta be me, it's gotta be me. And you're like, no, like I'm just playing my role. And, and this mm. is you know, how I show up for you. This is, you know, whatever value you get, you get. And, and then, yeah, you know, absolutely. I trust you and I love how you said that, like, you know, having that abundance mindset, it's kind of, you know, when you think about like a money mindset, people that think oh, there's only limited amounts of money in the world, right? They're really yeah. stuck in that mindset versus there's abundance, like there's so much money out there and I can have what I, you know, like just shifting that, that whole yeah. piece of it, the, the way you think about it is so important. Yeah. So how do you walk us through a little bit, you know, how do you work with a client? to help them get to know themselves and to really truly feel like they are living that authentic life. Yeah. So I think the, you know, first couple of sessions that I work with a client, I mean, it's really, you know, we start with, you know, some dream that they're looking for. And I really like to, you know, think about and help, you know, clients get some clarity about a dream that they're really interested in pursuing. Uh, I do have a belief that it's really hard to fix ourselves in the present moment. And so if we use the future and like, can create some like yeah, excitement about a future that we're willing to chase after, then actually we can use that power to leverage us to do new things in the present. Yeah. And so if we can anchor in the future, then we can come back and say, okay, like I'm really excited about this. Now I'm ready to relook at myself in service of my dream. And I think that's really, you know, sort of how we start to unlock, you know, the self-awareness piece. Cause you're like, if I'm doing it just for me today, well, everything's kind of okay. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and I have this. Uh, I, I share this great quote with clients uh, that really uh, did did a number on me, and it's uh, by a Danish philosopher uh, Kierkegaard, and he says, "We all find the level of despair that we can tolerate, and we call that happiness." Mm. Wow! Oh my gosh! Can you repeat that? Let that sink in. So we all find the level of despair that we can tolerate and we call that happiness. Mm, I got the chills. That. Yeah. <laughs> I got the chills listening to that. Oh my gosh. And wow. so we do such a good job. Our brain and our like mental state does such a good job of protecting us from, mm -hmm. you know, feeling our pain in the moment. And so that's why I feel like coaching has been so beneficial because it helps us to like zoom out and zoom in and zoom out mm -hmm. and zoom in perspective on our lives. Um, and so, you know, once we get that leverage, we can say, okay, yeah, I think I'm ready to make a change. I think I'm ready to do the thing that, you know, I want to do. 
and get out of where I am. And so when we start to look at who we are, we can really like start with some core values work. Like, and the way I frame core values is if you could have, you know, these three things in your life, you know, show up in an everyday basis, would you consider that a good day? You know, so mine are like nurture and freedom and moving forward. You know, so if I get to do those three things, I get to be with my son, I get to feel like I have some freedom over my schedule or freedom over my love or my choices. And I get to move forward either myself or like helping other people move forward. Like, you know what, like, okay. Like I'm really like very content and fulfilled with, you know, what I'm doing in, with my life. Um, mm -hmm. So once we have some core values, I think we can look at some assessments. Uh, I prefer the Enneagram uh, because it looks a lot at motivations and not just the behaviors that sit on top of the motivations. And so as we understand your type and your subtype, you can really start to see, oh, that is why I do those things. That's what's driving me. Uh, and I'm not sure if you use the Enneagram. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's one of the things uh, yeah, that I've found, at least there's a lot of research around it. Uh, there's a lot of work that's rooted in psychology and understanding human, like human uh, patterns. Uh, and I recently just sat in on a talk about how they're using Enneagram uh, to understand vertical development as well. Um, and like how we're like, raising our consciousness and like evolving uh, as people and using that Enneagram map. Um, so I'm definitely looking into that type of work as well. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's, a, that's knowing. And then there's a lot of questions where I'm like, yeah, like, what do you want to do? Like, who are you? You know, like, yeah. I don't know, what do you like to do outside of work? Uh, and I'm working with a client right now. She's like, I don't know. I don't know what I like to do outside of work. And so part of that is just exploring that yeah I think that's a common theme I see a lot is you know asking people what I you know I kind of do the same like what is it you'd love to see in your future where, where do you want to go and when you ask someone that they're like I, I don't know you know they can't really think past to where they are and you know what would you love to see and until they we don't really ask ourselves that question right for and we I've never been asked that you know as a child I was never asked like I was always told well what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up but it was never like what kind of a life would you love to live how do you want to feel what would you be proud of it was always just what do you want to be what do you want to be and yeah. I think you know asking that question now it shocks people but it opens them up to so much and when they yes. have, you know, get onto that wavelength of, of thinking that awareness piece, that open mindset, it's so beautiful. And I think that's huge. Like really asking people and like getting crystal clear on what is it you actually want? What would you yeah, love so to right. see? You're so right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people don't know. They've never been asked. And we don't, mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're a coach, I don't think a lot of people really ask themselves that question. No, nobody asked me until I was 35. <laughs> <laughs> like what I like to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's always been this, you know, this track and we get into this groove of, you know, this is what we're meant to do. You know, I went to college, then I got a job, then I went to business school. Right. And so you just, it, it almost feels like there's no freedom because you're just moving down the prescribed path of, you know, sort of the next exit is business school. You're like, okay, I guess I'm getting off. We're going to get some gas. Right. Um, so it doesn't feel like a lot of choice yeah. until there is like boundless choice, which is also scary for people. Yeah, when there's too much choice, then that's a whole other thing. That's right, that's right. <laughs> All right, so can you share with us a little a little bit about this group? I know you have a men's group. Um, what goes on in there? What do you guys talk about? Yeah, so uh, I, 
I run and uh, started a men's group here um, based on the Everyman framework. So you can go check it out, everyman.com. Uh, and I was looking for a group like this. Um, I just found like my, my male friendships, uh, you know, weren't maybe as deep as I wanted them to be. Um, I also, at that time, uh, was uh, my wife was pregnant with our first son. I didn't know he was going to be a son, but I, actually, uh, but I was just really like preparing to be a father and, uh, and knowing that like, I haven't been the most like masculine man uh, that I thought, right? And, and I, because of some of the bullying, I, I think I did, you know, had some rejection of like being very masculine. Um, so like most of my friends growing up were, were girls and uh, I could, you know, I felt like I could communicate with them. So I had a very like, you know, I was very in touch with the feminine side of my personality. Um, and so I was like, well, how am I gonna be a dad? How am I gonna show a child how to be, you know, masculine? And, you know, so this is where this group emerged and they had a great framework for how to build emotional fitness. Uh, and it's really about helping men to um, really get in touch with their five core emotions of happy, sad, um, happy, sad, fear, shame, and anger. And, um, and so as we like sit with that, it's great because there's some guidelines around how the group is structured. And a lot of that is really like, we're not here to fix you. You know, our job is to help you go deeper. You have space to like, and freedom to, you know, to really dive into your emotions. Uh, it's all voluntary. So nobody's gonna force you to do anything. Um, and what I also liked is that um, it was uh, a secular group. So I've, uh, I've been in part of churches uh, in earlier parts of my life and they had really nice men's groups and they could really like create bonds for people and men to come and connect. Whereas like the secular world didn't do a great job of that. Uh, and living in Hong Kong, uh, most of the men here, like I think the easiest place to bond and connect is at the bar. And so I'm like, well, you know, like, I think I'm, you know, like getting a little older, my body doesn't handle the alcohol as well. And I don't know if I want to sit at the bar like every Thursday to try and, you know, make some friends. Um, so this was a really nice, um, a nice outlet for, uh, for us to do something together. Uh, and so we've been running for about a year and a half now, and there's seven guys. Uh, we're starting to open it up to new guys. And uh, as, as we've gotten, you know, into a, a groove or, hey, I think everybody understands the responsibilities of being in the group, uh, what it means to like ask a guy some questions to help them probe in, you know, to be really present and to develop some empathy, uh, you know, and really understand, hey, a guy's like feeling fear. Like, what does that feel like? Where does that sit with you? What color does it look like? I'm really helping them to, to you know, verbalize some of the feelings that they have inside. So I have to ask because I mean, I, I don't and like maybe the way I was raised, but you know, we have this perception that men are, they don't share emotions, they don't cry. And I think it's, I love this group. I think it's so beautiful. Um, what is the response like? Are the men really open? You know, I think, uh, I think they're either really open or really closed. <laughs> so it's but pretty they up. Yeah, and, right. So they showed up. So there's some curiosity. And I think it's in many ways like coaching, right? You're like, I get to a point where something's not working in my life. So I'm going to look for an outlet that I can go and do this thing. Um, and what's nice is that every guy in our group is at a different life stage. So there's some fathers, there's some single guys, uh, there's guys that have just gotten out of relationships, guys that are trying to get into relationships. So it's this nice mix. Um, and 
I would say, you know, uh, my co-facilitator uh, or the guy who I started with, with Scott, um, he and I are probably further down the line on like understanding our emotional fitness. Uh, and then, you know, there are some guys who are like, I, I didn't really have words for emotions. So, you know, this has really taught me some vocabulary to help me even like verbalize what I'm feeling. And I think this is, I think one of the things, you know, now that I have uh, boys, I'm really concerned of like, hey, how are we teaching our boys to be able to communicate how they're feeling and not suppress them and just put them in a box? Like I think, you know, I was taught and being taught emotions and showing emotions is like a sign of weakness or it's bad. So it's, it's, I think, really like allowing boys and really giving them the tools to be able to stand up and be uh, emotionally capable men and especially and then connecting that with their head so that they can be like these whole people. Mm. I love that. I have boys. So I want that. Like, I think that's always a worry is that even at school, like the conversations we have, even at school, it's like, oh, no, well, we're, I'm a boy. I don't do that. I'm like, no, that, that's not a, that doesn't have to be the truth. Like that is not, you know, you're allowed to feel your emotions. And for me, um, I, for so long, have been like this type of person for many years that was like, don't cry, don't show emotion, you know, you have a lot of blockers up and I never wanted to be vulnerable. And obviously I started to change my lifestyle and go through this transformation and that started to change, but there was still a part of me that was like, no, you don't cry. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was like, you don't cry. And, you know, I, I, I've been more open and open to it. And then this year, like, begin it was like end of December and I was talking to my husband and I said I am so committed to just feeling every emotion going forward like I'm just like you know I've been reading a lot of books and talking to a lot of people and I'm just feeling I want to feel all my emotions and last night we were watching a repeat of MasterChef and I'm bawling I'm so happy for this person I'm crying and he's like I've seen you cry more in 2021 than I think you've probably ever cried in your entire life. And I'm like, and I'm just so proud of myself. <laughs> but yes. it's like, I love it. Like I, I, I don't regret, you know, not showing my emotion, but I just love how I, like, I feel everything because what, one thing I've learned over the last few years is when you, you can't just suppress one emotion. So when you yeah. hide one emotion, you're hiding your other emotions. You're not feeling the true full emotion. So if I'm always yeah. trying to hide this anger or sadness that I'm not never experiencing true joy and happiness and this, and I'm crying happy tears because I'm really feeling the happiness. Right. And so yeah. I think it's yeah. so beautiful what you're doing. I think it's so important for us to feel what we're feeling. Like, you yeah. know, we've been raised in the society where it's like, no, no, just hide that, hide that. And you push it down and push it down, push it down. And then you become an adult. And I think so many of us have struggled with that. Right. It's like, well, what do I do now? I don't, I don't even know how to cope. I don't know what to deal with. I want to just like kind of blow up inside. Right. And I think, you know, we have these tools that we've been given. They're like, oh, there's like, you know, there's alcohol or there's, you know, like cigarettes mm -hmm. and there's things that we just use to like sort of take off the edge of the emotion so we can kind of like move along. And I think, um, you know, I'm reading this great book uh, called Radical Wholeness and it talks about like getting back into our bodies. And, you know, we're, I think our, you know, sort of modern day world has really like focused us into like being in our heads and like thinking. And there's all this stuff that's, we protect our head because this is actually where it is. But actually our bodies have so much intelligence and like it's where our heart sits, it's where 
our like gut sits and and we discount you know like what that is telling us in the, in the you know sort of the, what the feelings are you know trying to share with us about the world and you know hey there's danger there but you know oh no it doesn't look bad so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna listen to my body um mm-hmm. so a lot of that is actually getting more into some of these somatic practices and so we do like a, a body scan meditation to start right just to like recenter and like get out of your head and that's one of the things you know we say it's like hey get out of your head man like too much story like what are you feeling go back to your feeling and um and we don't talk about that in, in society anymore right it's like hey no no i just want to know what you think i want to know what you think you don't know okay and so we just train ourselves to do that thing and so i think part of this process is like yeah like getting back like hey what is that back pain telling you what is that like arm pain telling you, you know and and then maybe we can be a little bit smarter about like, you know, how we are, you know, moving throughout our day and knowing when to take a break and all that kind of good stuff. Yes. I love that. I love that you brought that up because I'm such a believer in getting into like tuning in with your body. Your, I had this conversation years ago. I was talking to an acupuncturist and he said, mm-hmm. our bodies are trying to keep us alive. He said, our bodies are always trying to give us a signal. He said, but somewhere along the line, we stop listening to our bodies. And we're always, we're stuck in our head. And he said, but we need to go back and listen to our bodies because it's trying to say, Hey, I don't like what you're putting in me. I don't like what kind of activity we're doing. I don't like the people you're surrounding with. He's like, your body's trying to tell you this. And one of the things I do with, like, when I talk to my clients, instead of saying, you know, what's going on in your head, what are you feeling? Where are you feeling it? You know, because so many times it's like, where are you feeling your resentment? Where are you feeling your resistance? Mm -hmm. Where are you feeling anxiety, like anxiousness? And it's a, like a physical feeling in your body. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's get yeah. out of the head. It's so, I love that you brought this up. Yes. And so I think, you know, the more people that get, you know, trained in this, right? And like really be able to help us with that whole body experience, you know, the better. And, and it's really like, I think it's some of it is like moving away from that, like counseling, you know, psychology approach and like, no, like we got to do this thing with our bodies and, and so it's unnatural, I know, for a lot of people, because they're like, what do you mean? You know, like, I haven't been feeling my body for years. And so it's like, yeah. no, okay, well, we got to just have here. a sore back forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah and I, lo- I think that's so interesting how you brought that up, too, because, you know, psychologists and stuff, they're, they are so focused about what's going on in your head. And I think there is a big part of it, right? Like, there's a lot of the mindset we need to work on and the stories we tell ourselves. But we need to really incorporate that together and really listen to our bodies. Um, People that are always trying to do, you know, like a a weight loss journey, listen to your your body. Everything's just gives you a prescribed medication and it makes me so frustrated. It's like, oh, I have heartburn. I'll just take a pill. I have indigestion. I'll take a pill. No, stop taking the pill and just listen to your body. That's your body telling you, stop doing this to me. And it's just, oh my gosh, our bodies are so, so magical and so smart. And if we could just really pay attention, that stillness and just really focus. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, It's funny because after this, I'm going to go see my acupuncturist. um, And I've been seeing her (laughs) because I've been having vertigo. And uh, I've been having some vertigo on the weekend, uh, over the weekend. And so I went last week and she's like, yeah. So she's like doing these things, putting like needles in my head. And, and she's looking at my hair and I have this like white band of white hair. Uh, you can't see this, but it's like sort of like in this, in that, you know, sort of like a toilet bowl ring uh, area. And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, you have this like white hair. Like, oh, you're not sleeping very well. She's like, I can get rid of this for you. Like, we need to do some work. And she, I'm like, you're going to make my hair black by putting needles in my head. Like, 
that's crazy, but okay, like, let's do it. And my wife's like, no, I love your salt and pepper. I'm like, I don't know. She says she's going to make me healthier. I was like, okay. <laughs> I love it. That's don't amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. Okay, Mac, what are, you know, one or two tips people listening that are, they really mm-hmm. want to even just start getting to know themselves again or build that relationship. What are some takeaways that they can do today? Yeah. So I think in that knowing piece, uh, yeah, like get a coach if you, you know, like maybe that's the easiest way. So somebody can ask you some questions to help unlock the things that are there, right? I meet with a lot of younger uh, individuals, like the, you know, sort of millennial band, but like nobody's asked them these questions. And so then we start to have these questions and they're like, I don't know, like, where do I go look for that? So I think the journey is inward, you know? So, and it's got, it's about trying new things. It's about like, Hey, like start with the places that you're curious, right? It's like, I don't know if you like sports, go do a little bit more sports. If you're like really into cooking, go spend some time there, right? Um, so I think it's about experimenting um, and then doing that question asking. Uh, if you feel like you know yourself, then you're like ready to move into the acceptance piece. Uh, I think the acceptance piece uh, starts to look like you starting to figure out and maybe even catalog like some of the things and I think that the categorization of like, hey, what are the things that are the good, the bad, the weird, and the ugly about myself? What do I consider weird? What do I consider ugly about myself? And if you can start to do some journaling about that and look at that and be like, hey, like, am I ready to accept that as part of who I am? And that, you know, like, yeah, I can try and change some of those things. But first, I need to come to an acceptance that this is me. And I'd like mm-hmm. then make some progress into becoming more whole, you know, better, whatever it might be. And then last piece, if you're like in that play, like I've done the work and you're like, I'm ready to go and share my gifts. Then I think it's really about thinking about looking at that list and be like, what is it that I can uniquely do with this list of stuff that nobody else can do? And I think Mm -hmm. from there, a lot of creativity around like how that all comes together because your, you know, mix of soup will be so vastly different than everybody else's. And I think that's where there's some real like energy and light. I love it. So do you think um, the acceptance piece is the hardest for people? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it is. No, yeah, like no mishmashing of words. I think the uh, the acceptance of the good sometimes can actually be really hard. It's like that praise of like, hey, I'm really good at mm-hmm. this. Uh, a lot of people really get like turned off to that. Uh, the acceptance of the ugly is definitely hard. Uh, and sometimes you may want to do that with yeah, a counselor or a friend or a coach or somebody who can hold some space for you to like just mm-hmm. sit with that. Um, because, yeah, it's, it may bring up some things that you're like, oh, yeah, that happened. You know, I haven't forgiven myself. Um, you know, so and one of the things that uh, I know we're running out of time, the uh, one of the things that I love is this new Hawaiian forgiveness practice that I've been using with clients called Ho'oponopono. Um, and it's yeah. And so, uh, so it's this great practice and it's, it really starts with like, I'm sorry, I forgive you. Uh, you know, I'm, thank you for teaching me these things and that I love you. And they use this in like conflict mediation and a lot of practices to help rebuild uh, relationships. And you can do it with yourself, right? It's like, hey, like, how are you starting to forgive yourself for some of the things that may have happened in the past? And I think that starts to create the healing where you can find acceptance for those things that you put into the ugly column. Mm, yes, I love that. I love it. You've shared so much amazing wisdom with us tonight. I'm so, so um, grateful for talking with you. I'm so glad to be here. This has been so great. I've really enjoyed our this, conversation. I loved it. Mac, tell everyone where they can find you. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, in that realm, uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Coach underscore Mac underscore Ling, uh, and uh, and then let's see, and then Facebook. I'm also there as well. So you know, that realm of social media. Perfect. I love it. Any final thoughts to share before you go? Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if you joined the clubhouse or clubhouse like is this thing that has popped up and is like taking over the world social audio. Um, so um, I'm running a channel uh, and we're just talking about, you know, wholeness and authenticity and uh, emergent conversations uh, Thursday, 9 p.m., which is uh, Hong Kong time. So it, it would be it was actually it would be probably Thursday morning for you, probably about 7 a.m. Um, you know, mountain time. Um, so yeah, um, check that out. Um, we'd love to see you and uh, we can have a conversation there. Perfect. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. If you like what you hear on the Trudy podcast, hit subscribe and head over to our website at the and learn more about what we do.